Welcome to Realcast, the weekly roundup of the real asset markets. Um, I'm joined as normal by Paul Strome and Nicole Dines. Um, Paul, let, let's start with you. Um, what are the kind of key stories you've been following this week? Well, everybody's trying to get a feel for the direction of the different markets, given the uh, global external pressure, pressures. And in that context, there are some interesting reports around. For instance, its, it's monthly research report, AW, says that European logistics is reaching a turning point. While investment activity has set new record levels and yields have been driven down, AW said it expects a turning point in yield movement. Investors will require higher yields going forward with um, elevated bond yields. So uh, total returns for logistic markets across Europe are now estimated at 5.1% per annum for the next five years in its June 2022 base case. And that's down 40 basis points from its March 2022 base case. And based on their uh, June downside scenario, total returns are projected at 4.1%. Um, however, in the um, June 22 downside scenario, they, they say capital growth is projected to turn negative for most non-core CEE and Southern European markets. But its researchers say that core markets, including the UK, Netherlands, Germany and France, are projected to maintain positive capital growth. Meanwhile, in the office markets, uh, while the impact of the working from home trend is, is being assessed and everyone's trying to gauge the level of persistence of the phenomenon as COVID diminishes, Savile says that average European office vacancy rates have stabilised at 7.2%. And the firm says that this level has not moved since uh, Q3 2021. The 10-year average vacancy rate stands at 7.8%. And that's partly due to a shortage of new space coming onto the market, but it's also because tenants are withdrawing stock that had previously been openly marketed. The firm also says that as a central business district vacancy rates have stabilised, lease incentives have reduced. They were 11.1% of average rent in Q4 2020, and in the first quarter of this year were 10.5%. So European research analyst Georgia Ferris says that rents for prime offices are expected to increase, uh, although lease indexation is, of, is, of course, contributing to that upward pressure. Uh, the firm said that occupiers are increasingly considering flexible space options alongside conventional space and said that trend is no longer confined to technology companies. ESG considerations are, of course, a persistent trend. And on that theme, another timber-built office is being planned, this time in Munich, where LaSalle Investment Management and Accumulata Real Estate Group are to develop the city's first hybrid timber office building. That's designed by a local architectural firm, Olive Architecton, and the building will have a floor area of 16,000 square metres. Construction will start later this year due for completion in 2024. The use of timber in, in the building's load-bearing structure will ensure that about 1,100 tonnes of carbon will remain stored in the building fabric rather than emitted into the atmosphere. Uh, and the project will also use concrete reclaimed from the building that's currently being just demolished on the, on the site. Uh, and there'll be a photovoltaic system, efficient heating, cooling and ventilation systems. And the use of a groundwater heat pump will reduce emissions uh, associated with the building's operation by about 65% in comparison to a typical office. Yeah, it's been really interesting, I think, to track some of that sort of different usage in terms of building and construction methods and, and how that's impacting on the um, carbon, particularly 
um, in terms of the the new development side. Um, interesting as well to see Union breaking a 12-year absence from the Spanish office market with a 65 million buy. And also a lot of discussion around um, ESG picking up that point there and, and carbon neutrality, particularly um, here in the UK, with a lot of reporting around the government not being able to reach the targets on time. And of course, that's going to put a lot of pressure, I think, particularly on the on the built environment side. Um, Nicole, what have you been watching? Well, I've been looking at Italy and um, particularly how the hospitality sector seems to be attracting a lot of international investors who are clearly betting on a big uh, big relaunch um, after the, the pandemic. And this week, two big deals were announced. One was Lantai Capital, which is a London-based investment fund, which has launched a new brand, Bell Stay Hotels. They've started with four four-star hotels, which they bought some rundown hotels that were about to close and completely restructured and renovated them. There are two in Milan, one in Rome and one in Venice. But the interesting thing is that they're not in the center of town. They're just outside the center in suburban areas, but that are closely linked to the center by public transport, uh, which keeps costs down. So it's basically a sort of value for money offer, but uh, in very pleasant surroundings, aimed both at business travelers and tourists. There's also a sort of ESG elements to it because they have retained and retrained about 100 staff that would otherwise have been made redundant. And they've invested a lot of money also in upgrading and creating green areas around the hotels. And the Blantyre Capital with their Italian partners, uh, Garnet Hospitality Partners, they're planning on opening another 10, 12 hotels by 2024. And they're targeting a sort of turnover of 50 million euros. Uh, Blantyre Capital has uh, raised 1.6 billion euros in the last couple of years and uh, has already about 22 hotels around Europe. Staying in Italy, but in a very, very different context from the sort of suburban areas, the very heart of the capital, a new a fund called the Millennium Luxury Fund that has got some very high profile investors, including Bill Gates, the Saudi royal family, and the former CEO of Google, Eric Schmidt, have paid 170 million euros to buy Palazzo Marini, which is a historic 17th century palace in the center of Rome from their capital, an Italian company that had acquired it many years ago. And they are planning to upgrade the building and turn it into the very first Four Seasons Hotel in Rome. Four Seasons have been looking for a space for a place in Rome for a long time. They've recently opened hotels in Florence. They have hotels in Milan and Taormina in Sicily, but they couldn't find the right place. Now they have. It's going to be Rome's first six-star luxury hotel. Um, obviously, Bill Gates owns um, Four Seasons. It's a building that's been um, used by the by Parliament for peripheral offices because the Parliament headquarters are just around the corner. It's on a square that is being renovated by the city authorities. It has the big, biggest Apple store in Rome and it also has AXA headquarters, but it's very run down at the moment, so it's being renovated. So the idea is to transform the whole square and obviously the building into, into a sort of a luxury luxury hub for, for Rome. So that is a good project and uh, it's also a bit of a win for, for, for Bill Gates who had tried to buy the luxury hotel Hotel de Daniele in Venice, but had been rebuffed. So he's sort of plan B is Rome. Although apparently, according to rumors, he's still trying to buy the Daniele. Staying in Italy, but in a different uh, field of, of solar power, ESG that we've been uh, covering. Innova Group, which is an Italian company, has just sold six big solar parks in Sardinia and in Sicily to a Canadian solar, which is an interesting company that has been really buying assets in Italy and uh, becoming the biggest solar park owner in Italy. It's a Canadian-based company, but 
it has very strong roots in China or, or most of the solar panels are made in China that it uses. These solar parks were sold for 90 million euros and they're very interesting because they are solar panels in agricultural fields so they're sort of tilted and raised from the ground and tilted in such a way that they capture the sun but they still allow crops to grow so it's a sort of dual use of the land which is uh, very interesting. Solar has a 3 billion euro turnover it's absolutely massive and it as I said it wants to become it is number one in Italy and plan to strengthen its presence further but what is interesting is while a, a foreign company invests heavily in Italy Innovo the company that has just sold these solar parks that I was talking about is actually investing in solar parks in the UK and the reason they said is that it takes less than a year from acquiring the land to having an operational solar park in the UK while in Italy because of renowned you know slow bureaucracy and red tape uh, it takes well over two and a half years so interesting um uh, contrast there. Interesting as well in, in terms of uh, the news flow. I saw a mammoth new air capture plant, which will suck up 36,000 tonnes of CO2 per year being announced in, in Iceland. Um, and really interesting to see that because um, that that could also be plainly, it's a large piece of real estate and infrastructure together. So fits within the real asset side and could be an interesting, um, I guess, both niche asset class as well as potential solution going forward in terms of um, reducing carbon in the atmosphere. So interesting to see that and maybe something that we'll see more of as well. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you, Paul. Thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you next week for our regular roundup of the week in real assets. Thank you.